Hello FHN, it's Camden Blair here with the Disjointed Dialogue, where I pick a meaningless topic and just kind of yap about it for over 10 minutes. Today's subject is 2023 released movies. Of my extensive list I wanted to watch, I watched a total of 27 of them, some better, some worse. So I'm going to go through them and give my overall thoughts. There are some real stinkers in here, I'll be honest. There's also quite a few thoroughly enjoyable movies. Starting off, from worst to best, my 27th movie and worst movie of the year, by far, is The Flash. I hate everything about this movie. It's got Ezra Miller, bad person in general. It's got The Flash, which is done to death. I love the CW show, but God, is it such a boring character. And then it's also just, at the end of the day, a very, very generic superhero movie. It's got the same CGI, big climax fight. There's no real plot to it. And by the end, I didn't feel like anything had changed. You know, there's no stakes to it. It's just, I think about it all the time because it is like the quintessential horrible movie. And it's everything that's wrong with DC and Marvel. Number 26, and there's gonna be a trend of these movies being rated poorly, is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. It was definitely underwhelming. I think Jonathan Majors did an all right job, but no one's performance, I walked out and said, that is a good performance. They have Paul Rudd playing possibly the most obnoxious superhero ever. CGI monstrosity. It's like one of the ugliest movies I've ever seen. It feels like they just threw random colors in. And I'm trying not to be like a super pretentious person over here. But it's just the same thing over and over again. Like there's not really any change that happens to it. At number 25, we have Wish, which is the animated Disney movie that got accused of being AI generated. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was. The art style is unimaginative and bland. And the actual story behind it is like, it's a Disney story, which isn't inherently bad. But when you see the same thing over and over again, it gets really stale. It's at number 25 because I will give it credit. It's pretty fast moving. But when you do leave the movie, it leaves your mind almost immediately. I can't remember a single scene from it other than that horrible, I'll let you live here for free, like song from the villain which is not very imposing, and you kind of want that if you're a villain in a movie. At number 24, and honestly, I don't know if this is deserving of so low of a score, but here's where I put it from personal enjoyment, is the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. You know, I can understand the appeal for it if you're a diehard fan, and I'd be lying if I said I hadn't looked up a video or two regarding the lore on TikTok. But, like, at the end of the day... It is just a very bland mascot horror movie. There's no real, like, jumps-at-you scenes. There's a scene where the animatronics are building, like, a tent, a pillow fort or something like that with tables and stuff. And I almost walked out then and there. It is a fun movie, but by no means is it a well-put-together movie. Uh... All the actors and actresses did do a pretty good job, considering it's a movie about murderous animatronics. And 
I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to a sequel. Number 23, I have Bo is Afraid, which was very difficult. One, it is a long movie. I'm pretty sure it's nearly like three hours long. And it was sad because I had seen Midsommar and I had seen Hereditary, and I really loved both of those movies. Uh, Midsommar I watched with my mom, which was a horrible choice, uh, and she really loved it. And Hereditary might be one of my like top five favorite horror movies. So I came in expecting this masterpiece of like a horror movie, given what Ari Aster had done previously. And it was just dull. It was boring, and it felt like there was scenes he put in just so the movie was less boring, but they didn't really contribute to the story at all. Joaquin Phoenix did a really good job, and Ari Aster does make it a very cerebral, interesting-looking movie, but it's also just such a hard, like, watch to get through. Number 22 is kind of similar, and if I had to re-rank this and re-watch all these movies, I'd probably put it higher. But I had poor things, which also really sucks, because I'm a big Yorgos Lanthimos fan, I'm a big Emma Stone fan, I'm a big Mark Ruffalo fan, big Willem Dafoe fan. Like, I loved all of these parts, and the movie just kind of fell, fell, fell off for me. I also watched this with my dad, which was an even worse idea than Midsommar, but one, it's a long movie, and I have no problem with long movies, but when the pacing is as lackluster and finicky as it is, it's really hard for me to like get into a movie. And then it was also, I'll list like the stuff it did really well. It was shockingly beautiful in terms of like cinematography and score. It was a marvelously done movie. I loved the first 20 minutes and the last, I wanna say hour, 45 minutes to an hour of it. That was actually really stellar. And I think once Emma Stone's character, Bella Baxter, comes into her own and becomes like fully conscious, it's great. But there's so much of the movie that felt like it was childish humor. And there's also a really hard pill to swallow where the main character is physically an adult, but mentally a child. And so, without getting into it, there are some scenes that don't really sit well with me in that resolve, in that area. So it's just, it was a very mixed bag. And I think it did a lot of things amazingly well and a lot of things really horrible. Number 21 is another Willem Dafoe movie. It is Inside, and it's the movie about an art thief who gets locked in a penthouse not to be mistaken with inside the Bo Burnham special. I don't know, I don't have much to say about it. It was interesting, but it was also very slow and I think it didn't have much impact to it. It felt like it happened and that was that. 20, we have the movie Champions, which is about a basketball team. I should probably be doing like actual descriptions for these. But I think some of these you don't need a description for, and some of them are just too complex, like poor things or Poe's Afraid. So Champions is about a fired NBA coach who gets sent to coach a group of mentally disabled basketball players. And I I don't know if it was endearing or if it was made to kind of like, to exploit the idea of like guys were, were like, 
enforcing this idea. I don't know if it was made to share a real topic and an important thought or if it was made because they knew it would make good money, if that makes sense. And I don't know if the actors who played the mentally disabled, I don't know if they were amplifying their performance, which would be a little bit distasteful, in my opinion. But it was fun. It was a good time, I think. It had good pacing, all that. Another one of those movies where you would put it on for your family and just kind of, like, forget about it. It's a good family movie. Number 19 is a movie I really, really wanted to love. It's The Creator. It's... I don't even remember the full story, if I'm going to be honest. But it's a... Like, a sci-fi action movie regarding artificial intelligence. And it's got some amazing, like special effects and some really cool fight scenes, but it has one of the most boring and stale stories I've seen. Uh, I couldn't remember a single character's name if you, if you like held a gun to my head. It did have a Radiohead song in it, which was really nice. Appreciated that. 18 is about as different of a movie as you could make. It is Cocaine Bear, which I don't think I have to explain. And hopefully I don't have to censor the word cocaine because that would be unfortunate. But it is just a fun time. There are some really funny scenes. There's also some scenes that fall flat on their face. And what comes to mind is there's a scene where the bear is chasing an ambulance. There's a scene where a bear chases a man up a tree. And so there's some really, really good moments. And then there's some also like little questionable jokes and stuff that don't really land. I watched this with, I don't even know who, but it was a fun time in the theaters and everyone was laughing. Probably one of the safest movies, all things considered, which is strange considering it's a story about a bear who gets high on cocaine. Number 17, I have Knock at the Cabin, which is an M. Night Shyamalan movie where a family is held hostage by these four? I don't know how you'd call it. They say they've been spoken to, they've got this divine message, and that if they, the family doesn't kill one of them, kill another family member, then the world will end. And as the movie goes on, you see like these big floods and plagues start to break out. I watched this on a plane to Europe, so maybe I was a little delirious at the time. But all in all, I think it was a good movie. It's got some of the classic M. Night Shyamalan problems where it's like really plain, really boring. How it phrases its ending, if that makes sense. It's a good ending, but then it kind of like hands it to you in a way that really pisses me off. But overall, really good movie. It's got some really solid acting performances, especially from a, the child actress that plays like the daughter of the couple does a phenomenal job. Like, I don't know if there's a child actor or actress like Oscar, but if there was, I'd definitely nominate her. Just a solid movie. I Now we reach the threshold of it stops being the mixed grab bags and starts becoming like generally good movies, depending on what your taste in movies is. Yeah, number 16 is actually the most recent movie I've watched. I watched it earlier today. It is David Fincher's The Killer, which is about a hitman who has a botched job and then hunts down the people who 
left his wife critically injured. I don't have a, I, I got a weird relationship with Fincher in general because I loved Seven and Fight Club, but I also think some of his movies are a little too self-indulgent. And this is definitely the worst case of that I've seen so far. It's from a technical level, brilliant, really well done cinematography and attention to detail. But God, is it slow moving and it's got some really anticlimactic plot points that I don't really want to spoil for you. If you like David Fincher and you like well put together movies, I think you'll have a fun time with it. If you're looking for an action movie or a assassin thriller movie, it's not the one for you. It is, it, it feels sanitized. It feels like they put a alcohol wipe on it and they just rub down any tone of grime, any like grittiness to it. It just feels like a well put together package, not necessarily an enjoyable one, but a well put together movie in general. At number 15, I've got Anatomy of a Fall, which is a foreign film. So I imagine there's a lot of people who would watch it or ha would have heard of it that haven't. It is misinterpreted, I think. The trailer makes it seem like a murder mystery whodunit. It's about a family, mother, father, and blind son and the father is killed, we don't know how, and then the following court problems ensue where the wife is being charged with murder and the son has a moral dilemma of whether he speaks up. And they made, made it sound a lot like this uh, murder mystery whodunit, and in reality, it's more so like a marriage story uh, family drama which was not what I had come to see. And I think if you look at it in that light, it's really well done, but there's a, definitely a lot of people, me included, who left a little sad thinking they were gonna see more tension from it, if that makes sense. Number 14, I have Scream 6. It's the one where they're in New York. And this was just a really, really well done movie. It is by no means my favorite horror movie of the year, but I think compared to Scream 5 and Scream 4, it's a significant step up in plot, in scares, in set design especially, because it's really beautiful in like their setting. And it's just one of the least controversial movies I think I watched in terms of like anyone can go there and watch it and have a really good time. At number 13, I have Guardians of the Galaxy 3 which is, I believe, the only Marvel or DC movie I watched this year that I enjoyed. James Gunn does a good job, and I think he's not doing so well on future projects, but in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it was fun, it was well put together, beautiful, good soundtrack, great conclusion to a lot of characters that people really grow to love. The soundtrack is admittedly not as good as one or two, but I think it makes up for it for being A, bigger, and B, it has better character development and characters in general. Uh, High Evolutionary is one amazing villain that there's some scenes that are very memorable. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you're, what you're doing with your life, I'm gonna be honest, because it's everywhere. 
At number 12, I have Talk To Me, which is the second most disturbing horror movie I had seen. I don't know how I'd explain it. It's about a possessing hand that lets you talk to the dead and things go awry with it, I guess. I don't want to spoil much about it. And it was, in terms of like how well something's put together, it was not put together necessarily, but how a movie collides with its own rules and stipulations, it all kind of formed together seamlessly and set itself up for an amazing sequel or even like series. It's got some really visceral scenes that I can't describe and one amazing soundtrack as well. At number 11, I have a movie that our own FHN English teacher, Mrs. Cease, recommended to me called Bottoms. And I don't know if I can explain the plot in a way. Two lesbian girls start a fight club in the hopes of romantic relationships. I think that's the best way I can put it without making it a little profane. A really fun movie. I watched this with my mom and my dad and they both enjoyed it. My mom was cackling the whole time. It is it takes the reality of it into its own hands for sure. It's got like a surrealist quality to it. And it's just a it's one of those movies that doesn't concern itself a whole lot with the plot, but instead focuses on characters and what jokes can be made. And it does a really good job at that. At number 10, I have the most disturbing horror movie I've seen. It is the Spanish film When Evil Lurks. And uh, it's another one of those movies where if I talk about what it is, it ruins the appeal. But it is unrelenting horror. It is scary, scary and visceral and gory. And at every single turn, it feels like it adds to the world building. It's one of the first movies I've seen where possession and evil is accepted in the world and as a normal thing instead of being sort of this like taboo, like no one's heard of it. At number nine, I've got Killers of the Flower Moon. And I would have loved to really like this movie, but it, I don't know. It, it, it is one of the best uh, act, acted movies and it's one of the best directed movies, but when it's three and a half hours long, it, it just, like, there's not much you can do to make itself not boring. Um, I watched this in the front row of a movie theater, which was a horrible idea, and I'm never doing that again, especially with a movie as long as this. And I think it's a very important movie in terms of history and how the Native Americans were exploited by white people. It, it is by far one of Scorsese's best thoughts to a movie. And it's one of the most powerful, I'd say, but it's also just long. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't hard to get through at times. But Leonardo DiCaprio does great. I think the whole cast as a whole does amazing. And there are some really solid, act not action scenes, but scenes of tension. And number eight, I've got Thanksgiving, which might be my most surprising movie I've seen this year. It is a horror movie about a man dressed as John Carver who enacts his revenge after a Black Friday deal goes horribly wrong the year before. Fun, 
just fun. It is, it, there are some scary parts, albeit, but the deaths are all funny and shocking, which is a great combination for a horror movie. And it was really surprisingly like well put together in terms of it looked good, it sounded good, the script worked well and could stand on its own. And then of course, above all, it was a Thanksgiving themed slasher movie, which, I mean, the jokes write themselves at that point. At number seven, I have the new Hunger Games movie, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And it was really nice to see. I am a really big Hunger Games fan. I've read uh, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and The Mockingjay, or Mockingbird. I forget what it's called. And it is probably my favorite book series of all time, either that or Ender's Game. And it was, it meant a lot being able to see a movie that could stand on its own, not just as a Hunger Games movie, but as a movie in general. Peter Dinklage, above all, does a really, really phenomenal job and like your perception of the character changes as it goes on. It's a long movie as well, but I think it deserved all that runtime. And if anything, should have been longer. It was a really, really beautiful movie. It felt almost like a Shakespeare play. And there are some really, really memorable scenes. Above all, like towards the end, there's some truly phenomenal sort of building blocks it sets for the Hunger Games books and movies. Probably, if I had to guess, it does a large scope better than any other movie I've seen this year. At number six, I have the Bar Barbie movie. And honestly, if it was, how would I phrase this? I admit that I am not the target audience, which is why it's at six, but I have zero problem and I completely understand the people who say this is their favorite because if this is, if you are its target audience, I fully understand why this is a movie that is your best of the year, if not best of the decade, because it is one of the most blatant and proud feminist movies. And I'm happy for that. That is a great thing to do. And just because it's not my cup of tea doesn't mean I can't, just because it's not my cup of tea doesn't mean I can't admit that it is one hell of a movie. It is funny, it is charismatic, it has a great soundtrack, it's very impactful and empowering, and everyone does an amazing job. From Greta Gerwig to Margot Robbie to Ryan Gosling, they all do a truly phenomenal job, and I don't think a single moment of the movie was boring or bland other than maybe the car chase scene, but th that's more than made up for for all of its really, really stunning scenes, whether it be when Barbie was talking to the old lady in the office or the I'm Just Ken music scene. There, there's so many movie of the year worthy scenes in it, and I love the movie from start to end. And number five, I've Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I don't think counts as a Marvel movie, even though it's in that universe, because it's Sony made. And it was just beautiful from start to finish, really well done animation-wise. And I really hope that other movies kind of interpret this movie's success as we can do more visually and make it less so of trying to be realistic and fit the mold, but more so as a creative, what do artists want to create and how can we support that? 
on rewatch, I don't think it's as good because a lot of it is very clearly made for catching people up on what the multiverse is. And a lot of it is set up for beyond the Spider-Verse. But beyond all that, I think it is one of, if not the best, Spider-Man movie of all time. I'm not going to say the best because I have a like, really sweet spot for The Amazing Spider-Man and No Way Home, two of my favorite movies in general, I think. Number four, I have Godzilla Minus One, which if you come in expecting to see like a big Godzilla monster movie, uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed per se, but I think it's a bad interpretation of what the movie's about. It is a pretty shocking, like a depiction of the call, the consequences of war and the results it has on the community, specifically in Japan. It was, I, I didn't expect to care as much about the characters as I did because it's a Godzilla movie and why would you? But it had one of the best like family stories I think I've seen this year. And it being Godzilla, a Godzilla movie was just cherry on top. I thought that every Godzilla scene was near perfect. And the movie in general, I think, is smarter than any Godzilla movie I've seen before. And that's saying something, because I've seen quite a few Godzilla movies, and I'm a big fan of most of them. We're in the top three. So at number three, I have Oppenheimer, and these are gonna get a little mainstream and obvious, and I apologize for that, but these are just, in terms of enjoyment, what I like the most. So three is Oppenheimer. I watched it same day as Barbie, I believe, and it was another long movie, albeit, but it held my attention the entire way through, and I despise history movies with a passion. I think they're incredibly Uninvent, uninventive, in an uninvent, uninventive, and typically lack any sort of creativity, cinematography-wise or storytelling-wise. Typically, they just fall flat on their face. But Oppenheimer had a great job at making it gripping and tense, and unique and creative. And I'm not a big Christopher Nolan fan. I like some of his movies, but I don't think his style of directing is necessarily the best in terms of characters, but he does a truly phenomenal job with a script and he does a great job with the way you pace a story so that at no point was there a dull moment. I think I might've fallen asleep during the movie, but that was because I was tired from God knows what, I don't really remember. And in hindsight, I don't know how I did that because it was truly a one-of-a-kind movie. Next, I have, I don't know if it's generic or not, but it's definitely not a very creative take. I have John Wick 4. I'm a big John Wick fan, and I thought John Wick 3 was near-perfect action, and John Wick 4 proved me wrong because this is what perfect action is. From the first scene, you know it's going to be something different, and throughout the whole movie, it is consistently phenomenal in terms of setting, in terms of color, in terms of characters, it, and then above all, like the action of it. I think it's one of the best put together action movies I've ever seen. And other than one or two movies, uh, specifically Denis Villeneuve movies, I think it might be my favorite action movie of all time. 
And I really hope they don't make a John Wick 5 or 6 as much as I love the series because the ending to John Wick 4 is perfect. And I don't use the word perfect a whole lot, but I truly could not find another thing to replace that ending with that would make it any better. And then number one, I was planning on making a video on this, and I don't know if I'll make the video ever, but Saltburn. This Saltburn, I think a lot of people misinterpreted it as being super disgusting and being like a and being bait for people who wanted to be disgusted. And I think while there's definitely some disturbing scenes, at no point is it A, a disturbing movie, and at no point is it B relying on the disturbing scenes to create enjoyment. Uh, I loved every single character. Barry Keoghan did a phenomenal job. I loved him since Killing of a Sacred Deer, and it's really interesting to see an actor like come into his own, uh, which he does in this. Emerald Fennell crafts an amazing set of characters that I could talk about for hours, as well as a amazing premise, an amazing soundtrack, and above all, like, an amazing ending, and I've seen the movie four times because it is such a satisfying ending and really like shatters how you perceive the rest of the movie. It was, out of all the 27 movies I've seen, is the one I've probably thought of for the longest, other than maybe Barbie because of its significance and culture. Just an amazing movie. And I've got Murder on the Dance Floor stuck in my head. And it's, I loved all of the songs they used. The score was phenomenal. The cinematography was crisp. And it had really interesting symbolism with the Minotaur and with Icarus and with like water and what that means to be submerged and all that. It was truly, I, I say truly too much, but it was truly a perfect movie in my mind. And if I had to narrow down all the movies I've ever watched in my life, I imagine it is at the bare minimum top 50, which is saying quite a bit because I've watched 750 movies now. And I can't think of a whole lot of films that have surpassed Saltburn in terms of enjoyment. These were the movies I've watched in 2023 ranked. I hope you enjoyed. Go out, love others, love yourself. Life is good, and I'll see you next episode.